Okay, we're in a series called Making Change. We're actually talking about money. Everybody's favorite topic, except for at church for some reason. Um, today's topic, though, is contentment versus discontentment. We'll start with a quest, simple question. What area of your life <clears throat> do you struggle with discontentment? I think we're all discontented about certain things. In fact, put the next slide up. Discontentment is basically dissatisfaction with your current circumstances. And as we're going to talk about in a minute, sometimes that's good. But maybe you're dissatisfied with your job or your employer or your colleagues at work. Maybe you're dissatisfied with uh, your spouse or your kids or your parents. Um, maybe you're dissatisfied with probably all of us in some extent to our forms of government, local level, national level, whatever it might be. Uh, we are dissatisfied when we, we think about upgrades. You know, I'm upgrading my phone, I'm upgrading my computer. Now, sometimes you have to. Sometimes they just won't work with the old software. I understand that. But discontentment, when really it's okay, maybe discontented with your car, um, Pick on my wife a little bit. She seems to always be discontented with her hair. I don't know, other ladies here have that. seems like it's always bad hair days and oh, I want to change the color and all that kind of stuff. So we all have areas of our lives that we tend to be discontented. <clears throat> now, one thing that feeds into that is this. Have you ever discovered this? I didn't want it until I saw it. I'll give you an example from my life. Uh, if I work with some other carpenters and I like to do carpentry work. And they have a tool that's just a specialized tool for something that we're doing. And it's so faster and easier than using the old kind of tool, the old way we used to do it. I get a little maybe envious. I want one of those tools. Or if you walk into Home Depot or Costco or Sam's, you can't walk around there long before you find something you didn't even know existed some gizmo, some thing, oh, this would really be cool to have, this would really be helpful, et cetera, et cetera. Don't get me started with going online. <laughs> you go online, you, you can't be online very long. The reason is the advertisers, this is their job, they make us dissatisfied with what we have. And they do a really good job, don't they? And so we become dissatisfied. Now, the reason we've been talking about this for a month and we're finishing up today is I started with this statement, you can't follow Jesus and be lost, financially lost. If you're financially lost, if you're, you know, over your head or what's the term, underwater or whatever terms might be, what does your time and energy go to? It's that situation, that circumstances, and you don't have time and energy and money to follow Jesus. So this is not a minor issue. This is not a, something we just, eh, this is major, if you had a desire to follow Jesus. Now, if you're not a Jesus follower, we're glad you're watching or here. I uh, think you'll discover that all these principles are beneficial, helpful, wise, whether you're a Jesus follower or not. And so that's one reason to be a Jesus follower, because of his wisdom. Now, last week we taught something specifically. We said, if God has blessed you with more than you need, with extra and probably everybody watching or, or listening is in that category. So we're all there. We all have more than we need. We all have been blessed. We all have extra. 
So why? Our question last week was why? Why do I have all this stuff? Well, the major reason is this. So you and I can share it with those in need. So we can show God or prove to God or prove to everybody else that I have God's heart. I have a generous heart. And when I see need, I try and help. God saw our need for a Savior and sent His Son, Jesus. Now, discontentment is not always bad. So let me talk about the positive side of discontentment for a while. Being discontented with injustice is good. And that's what the Civil Rights Movement, the uh, Women to Boat Movement, Child Labor Laws, there's lots of examples of people being discontented or unhappy, uh, dissatisfied with circumstances in society, and so consequently, because of discontent, they did something that made life better. Uh, it, you can use it personal. Uh, maybe you have health issues and you became discontented with having health issues, so you, you know, changed your diet and started exercising or found out what you could do to make your, uh, be healthier. Um, so those kind of discontentments uh, spiritually, hopefully you're not completely contented where you are spiritually. We all could grow more uh, in our relationship with God. So discontentment in itself is not necessarily bad, but we're going to talk about the negative side of discontentment. Now, discontentment is basically a misdirected appetite. And I mentioned this last, last week. <clears throat> now, what do you do with an appetite? You get hungry, you do what? You eat. You feed it. Now, what happens to the appetite when you feed it? Well, it temporarily is satisfied. But the more you feed it, guess what happens? Does it get smaller or bigger? The more you eat, the more you want to eat. Correct? So, you feed it, it grows. So, discontentment is an appetite. And when you feed it, it grows. So, the more we are pursuing discontentment, trying to satisfy it, it doesn't satisfy it, it only makes it grow. So consequently, if it's an appetite, there is no final solution. I think that, yeah, that's how I put it. There's no final solution. It's like you can't just eat a meal and so you're satisfied your body for the rest of your life. So, we're going to talk about how can we, I'm going to use the word control, the problem or the negative side of discontentment. Hopefully that's the desire you have. <clears throat> Did you ever buy something and say, this is the last one of these I'm ever going to have to buy because it's just so good, it's so cool, it's whatever. Time goes by and what happens? Ah, there is another one I may have to buy. So we're going to look at something a guy by the name of Paul wrote. It's in our New Testament, our Bible. We call this God's Word. If you're not a Jesus follower, you might not believe that, but we believe it. This is actually God speaking to us. So when we read this book, it's different than any other book. And when we read this, this isn't just, if you're a Jesus follower, it's just not opinion. This should be uh, marching orders. These should be things that I'm obviously going to do. I want to do. It's the best thing to do. But if you're not a Jesus follower, you can... Judge it on your own. So Paul's writing to a, oh, a younger preacher. His name is Timothy. And we have two of these letters that he wrote to Timothy. And I love this because he's mentoring Timothy. 
And so he can mentor me, he can mentor us in uh, this area of discontentment or dissatisfaction. So this is second, First Timothy, the first letter. Uh, we divide it up into chapters. It wasn't written that way. But we divide it in chapter 6, verse 6. <clears throat> Here's how it goes. But godliness, if you're a Jesus follower, you desire to be godly like God, actually is a source of great gain. It's a, a plus in life. But it's an especially great gain when accompanied by contentment. So you can have godliness, and we all do it to some extent, without contentment. We're not always content. Now, what, is, what does Paul mean by contentment? Contentment which comes from a sense of inner confidence based on the sufficiency of God. Okay, God's all sufficient. I'm confident in Him so I can be content. Certainly content to meet all my needs. A lot of dissatisfaction comes with wants. It doesn't come with needs. <clears throat> Do you and I have all we need? Yes, we have extra. So the issue with this contentment, in this case then, as it relates to God, is an issue of devotion. Where is my heart? Where is my desire? Is, where is my sufficiency? What, who or what am I depending on? So it's a discontentment is a devotion issue. When I'm discontented, God supplied all my needs, so my discontentment is against what? Well, he hasn't supplied all my wants. My wants are outside of what God has supplied. Um, so it's a devotion issue. So the text goes on, and he gives us some just simple logic. I love Scripture when it's logical. <clears throat> After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world, right? No clothes on, undeveloped mind, you couldn't speak, didn't own anything. That's how we all came into the world. I understand that. And you can't take anything with us when we leave it. <laughs> okay? We were talking at the front door after the service. The Egyptians would bury treasure with the, with the pharaohs and stuff. They, they didn't take it with them. <laughs> uh, so none of the stuff I have goes with me. This is all material, and we're going to a spiritual realm. So, consequently, to be in the endless dissatisfaction, in the endless pursuit of stuff, is basically insane, isn't it? It's illogical. It's foolish. It makes no sense. Now, of course, we can get to use it while we're here, but as we talked about last week, we got promised another day. So if I'm so consumed with, we call it consumerism, <laughs> consumed with, it, with stuff, and I might not be here tomorrow. So is there a better way to live? So what is, how can this help us control discontentment? Well, hopefully realizing it's going to be, one day it's, it's all going to be gone, <laughs> or somebody else is going to get it, to certainly help satisfy my discontentment with stuff. It's here today and gone tomorrow. So what should we enjoy? We should enjoy the time we have. We should enjoy our stuff. Uh, Paul is actually going to tell Timothy that later in this letter. He goes on, another logical statement. <laughs> if we have enough food and clothing, basis 
basic necessities of life, let's be content. That's all you really need. Um, Food to eat, clothes to wear, we say shelter, whatever. Now, my simple question for you is, are we? And I would venture to say none of us are just content with food to eat and clothing to wear because it isn't our culture, it isn't our society, it isn't part of, you know, our lifestyle, is it? But Paul is telling Timothy, that should be enough. You should be content. So realizing this should help us control it, realizing that our basic needs are provided. Yes, the stuff I'm discontented about are not basic needs, they're, they're wants, they're other stuff. <clears throat> then he switches to the negative, and he says this, but, okay, we should be happy with what we have, basic needs, but people who aren't, <laughs> people who long to be rich, fall into temptation, this craving, this desire to, be, to have stuff, and money and the money, uh, stuff money can buy. There's a special temptation that comes with that. So people that have a lot of money or desire to have a lot of money, maybe not even have a lot of money, there's temptation. There's temptation to what? Steal, cheat, lie, I don't know, lots of temptations. Uh, get involved in stuff that is illegal. They're temptations. And notice how he described it. They are trapped. Then you're trapped. Anybody want to be trapped? I don't want to be trapped. Trapped by many, not just a few, many foolish and harmful desires. They say, we're going to make us happy, going to make us love life. No, no. What's the result? They're going to plunge us into ruin and destruction. Now, hopefully, you've never experienced that. Maybe you have. Maybe you've filed bankruptcy for whatever reason. Um, but I'm sure you know somebody has done this, right? They've made, they've fallen into temptations, they've made foolish financial decisions or other decisions, and they, they've been trapped and, they, and, and their lives have been ruined and, and destroyed. So we use this definition of greed in this series. It's the assumption that it's all for my consumption. So if I can get my hands on it, somebody gives it to me, I work for it, I earn it, whatever it might be. If I get it, I get to do what I want with it. And most of the time, I want it for me. That's the definition of greed that we've been using. Now, nobody wants to be considered greedy. I don't. I don't think you want to be considered greedy. So Paul's going to help us with that. <clears throat> then the next verse is a verse that a lot of people know, but it's often misquoted. So this is really important. We get it right. Notice what it says. For the love of money, not money. Money's neutral. There's nothing wrong with money. Money can be used for good. We're going to talk about that. Hopefully you, you use it for good. It can be used for stuff that isn't good. But the love of money, the craving for money, he's going to use the word craving, the desire above all else for money is the root of all kinds of evil. You're headed down in the wrong direction. You're headed in tr trouble if that's your motivation. And some people, craving money, have literally wandered from the true faith. 
and pierce himself with many sorrows or pains. Maybe you've done that. Hopefully not. Again, I bet you know somebody that has. They seem to love the Lord, serve the Lord, uh, etc., and then somehow got off track. And what happened? Well, the pursuit of money, God, I'm going to leave you alone and put you on the side now. My priority is money, not you. And the results, what's the results of that? Sorrow, pain, uh, regret. So, what can help us deal with or control dissatisfaction? <clears throat> Realize, um, next slide. Realize what you're willing to do to get more money. Think about that. What are you willing to do? Are you willing to lie? Are you willing to steal? Are you willing to cheat? Are you willing to fudge your tax returns? Uh, I don't want to get too personal. Uh, what are you willing to sacrifice? Are you willing to sacrifice your integrity, your character? Are you willing to sacrifice maybe your life? Workaholics tend to uh, do damage to their health. Uh, maybe you've lost a spouse because of your pursuit of wealth. I don't know. But realizing, wait a minute, wait a minute, do I really want to sacrifice, quote unquote, whatever it is, fill in the blank, for money and for the stuff money can buy? Then he goes on, but you, and he's going back to the positive side. He said, but you, Timothy, a man of God, and I, I pray that you want to be a, a man or a woman of God, a, a, a godly person. He's going to give us some strong uh, verbs, strong action verbs of things to do, which I like. Okay, here's the situation. Here's the potential problem. Give me the solution or the path to victory in this area. So here's, here it is. It said, run or flee from all these evil things, money, and the love of money and the evil that comes from that. So don't just, eh, I'll try not, I'll try and ignore it. No, 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 no. <laughs> if it's over here, you run over here. You go in the opposite direction. Don't, don't play around with it. Sometimes we like to play around with evil. He says, no. Run from it. Now, you can't just run. <laughs> you need a, a, a target. You need something to run to when you're running from something. So he tells us, which I love, he says, pursue or run after righteousness. That's what's doing right. And a godly life that's doing being like God, <clears throat> along with faith, trusting God, love, loving God, loving other people. That's the, all the commandments boiled down into one. <clears throat> uh, perseverance, it's a neat word, keep keeping on and gentleness. Isn't gentleness a nice word? I always like that word. Just be gentle. So, here's a decision you and I have to make. Ongoing decision. Am I going to flee from these potential temptations? Uh, am I going to pursue what is good and right and holy, etc.? So, again, how can this help us control dissatisfaction? Well, Realizing that people are more important than money. I love people. 
I am gentle with people. That's more important than money. <clears throat> this is something I'm actively doing. And again, when God says something, if you're a Jesus follower, it's a command. So this is, oh, I'll do it if I feel like it. No, 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 no. <laughs> you and I, I've got to run from this and I've got to pursue this. Gives us a couple other things to do. Uh, next verse. Fight. Fight. Pretty strong word, right? I, I said this in the first service and I corrected myself. The Christian life is a fight. Now, that's true. But all of life is really a fight, isn't it? To survive, to get ahead, etc. But the Christian life is a fight because we have an evil one. Now, he's defeated but he still hangs around and, and causes us problems or temptation. So fight the good fight for true faith. Again, God's my sufficiency, not money and stuff money can buy. So that's one thing I'm going to do. I'm going to fight, and then I'm going to hold tightly, as, as grasp it as hard as I can, to what? Eternal life to which God has called you. Remember, some people have wandered off have left Christianity for stuff. He said, no, 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 hold on to that. That's eternal. That has more value than anything in this world. He said, which you declare so well before many witnesses. <clears throat> now, when you have an area of temptation in your life or an area of weakness in your life or an area you struggle with in your life, I'm sure you've done the same thing I've tried to do. I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. I call it willpower. Does that really work? Never. It works short term. But it never works long term. Because, the basic reason is, I'm not a psychiatrist, but uh, you're focusing on what you don't want to do. So you're not fleeing from it. And so eventually it's going to win. I call it will, will weakness because it's not willpower, is it? So it's will weakness. So put on your outline. The solution to not being dissatisfied is not saying, I'm not going to be dissatisfied. I'm not going to be dissatisfied. I'm not going to be dissatisfied. That's exactly what's going to happen. So not the determination not to want stuff, but to redirect your energy somewhere else. Now, he's always given us some clues or some guidance where, but the next couple of verses are going to tell us where we can redirect our energy. So he's telling Timothy, who is a pastor, a teacher, he says, teach these things. Teach those who are rich in this world, okay, and as I've said to this whole series, that's all of us. <laughs> all of us are rich in this world. Put us, lump us in with the world's population and we're all in the top 5%. So 95% of the people in the world would consider us rich. We don't consider ourselves rich, but they do. So, those rich in this world, not to be proud. Hey, look what I have. I'm sitting pretty. No, not to be proud. And not to trust in their money. There's that thing again. Why? Because money is unreliable. I don't know if anybody like me had their, their retirement funds in the stock market. When was that? 08? And the uh, stock market goes up, but the stock market also does what? 
goes down. I lost like 40% of my retirement income. I got it back since then, but um, it's not reliable. You can't trust it. Who should you trust? Well, the trust should be in God. Why? Well, because He richly gives us all we need and extra, and we should enjoy it. So you should enjoy what God has given you. But one of the big ways to enjoy it, we're going to see, is to do the right thing with it. So where's your security? Is it in your 401k? Is it in your job? Or is it ultimately in God? So again, this is not a guilt trip. You should enjoy what you're doing, as long as you're doing it the right way. You're doing what God wants you to do with it. And even if you're not a Jesus follower, when you do what he says here, there's a certain joy that you can't get from being all-consuming or selfish. So he says, teach them. Then he says, tell them. Or again, teach them something else. And here's probably the bottom line of what I'm going to talk about this morning. Next verse. <clears throat> tell them, tell us, to use our money to do good. All right? General category, to do good. All right? I have this money. I need to do good with it. They, us, should be rich in good works. Now, <clears throat> even a poor person can be rich in good works, which is pretty cool, right? Somebody consider themselves poor. So everyone can be rich in good works. Do good. Now, if we have money, do good with the money. Don't have money? Everybody, do good works. And here's a key, generous to those in need. Here's the question I have for you. If I ask somebody else if you're a generous person, what would they tell me? Because we all like to think we're generous. I think we do. I got to think, somebody ought to tell me, do you, do you consider me a generous person? I consider my wife a generous person. You probably do too. But me, I, I, I'm not so sure. That's what we're supposed to be, doing, generous people. Always. Don't you love when God says always? <laughs> always being ready to do what? Share. Remember the cookies last week? <laughs> Share. So what are you obsessed with? Is it obsessed with stuff, money and the money, stuff money can buy? Are you obsessed with being generous and sharing? He goes on. By doing this, by doing what? Being generous and sharing with those in need. By doing this, you will be storing up your treasure, good foundation for the future so that you, they may experience true life. So true life is eternal life. True life goes on to eternity. But the way to experience true life here is by doing that. So again, how can this help us control dissatisfaction? Realize that true life is sharing with those in need. That's where the real joy comes. That's where the fun comes. You ever bought a, given something to somebody really in need or something that somebody really needed and you gave it to them? Now, they really appreciated that, but there's a certain joy in doing that that you can't get any other way. Some of you have been on mission trips. I've been on a bunch of mission trips. And the people are so thankful for the stuff we come and do. But man, you come back on cloud nine. <laughs> There's a joy that comes from giving and sacrificing that you can't get but being 
being selfish. So here's a, something I'm, I put on the outline. Uh, next slide. It is way more fun to choose what you won't afford as opposed to owning what you can't afford. I'm going to use the cars again. I drive an 03 car. I love driving old cars. Not old, old antique cars, just, just, just an old car. And I'll give you one example. A couple of years ago, it wasn't quite as old, <laughs> we, we were at a restaurant and we pulled up and the car next to us had a, I don't know, eight-year-old child or something and his dad and him were talking. It was kind of a windy day, and we're facing east, so the wind's blowing from the west. And this kid opens his door. Of course, what's the window? Grabs the door, and it hits my door. Okay? Puts a big gash and mark in the door. Of course, dad's freaking out at this point, right? I just put a, my kid just put a dent in this guy's car. So he gets out, and I said, no, that's it's an old car anyway. It's got all the, don't, don't, don't worry about it. <laughs> and if it was a new car, do you think I would have done that? No way. Anyway, we go into the restaurant, and they sit over there and eat, and we sit there. We, we, get, we go ahead and pay our bill, and they said, it's already been taken care of. People over there paid for it. So that was their way, I guess, to be, being sorry. But anyway, we started a conversation with these folks. Found that they were Jesus followers, too. It was just awesome. Now, what would have happened if I would have yelled and screamed when I got out of my car? It would have ruined that whole situation. So I could afford a new car. But what if I bought a new car that I couldn't afford? What about the, the weight, the burden, the unhappiness that would bring to me? And I have this joy for knowing, yeah, I could have one of those, but I chose not to. And hopefully you experience that too. So the key to contentment is to decide to replace one pursuit with another. The pursuit of money and money, stuff money can buy. I keep saying that wrong with being generous and giving to those in need. Planning, plan, excuse me, plan generosity controls discontentment. We all like to think we're generous. A need comes up, we'll give them some money. No, 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 no. Plan generosity. I, I told you the way we do it. We have tithing, we have offerings, and we have benevolence. <laughs> that just helps us be generous. You have your own method, whatever way it works for you. Planned generosity controls discontentment. So the awareness thing. So awareness can be bad. When I see all this stuff I didn't know existed that I wished I had, but awareness of others' needs, that's a good thing. Awareness of others' needs should lead to generosity. And when you and I are generous, we're content. You want to be content? I want to be content. So be aware. Now you say, if I'm not aware of all these people in need, I'll be content. Not really. Because it's kind of impossible not to know that people are in need if you live in this world. Lead should lead to generosity, which leads to contentment. And if you've been to a third world, you've experienced this firsthand. <clears throat> So generous to people, generous, quote, unto God or to the church uh, for God's kingdom. So let's go back to that bottom line verse, and we'll be finished. Tell us to use our money to do good, rich in good works, generous to those in need, always be ready to share with others. 
So I'm going to add one thing to your next step. Keep track of your spending, and you'll find out some of it goes where you don't want it to go. So change that. Give first, save second, live on the rest, and get rid of dumb debt. That's like owing more in your car than it's worth. Now, there's all kinds of financial classes out there. If you want more help in this, please let us know. We can, we can hook you up. So let's, let's pray. Father God, thank you. We thank you for the wisdom of your word. It tells us about true, meaningful life. It's not hoarding, if I want to use that word. It's not being selfish. It's being generous and sharing, just like you, God. You were so generous to send your son Jesus to die for us. So those of us who are Jesus followers, help us to embrace <laughs> this teaching. <clears throat> and if you're not, we just pray that you would understand how generous God has been to you. And the natural response to generosity is to, to return it, to be thankful, to embrace it. So embrace Jesus, accept him into your life, confess your sins, he'll forgive you for sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, and you can have a relationship with God, not just now, but for eternity. I pray you make that decision. Father God, we thank you for your presence here. We thank you that you go with us when we leave this place. We look forward to meeting you here again next week. In Jesus' name, amen.